Welcome to the Life Church of Kansas City podcast. Please consider following, sharing, and supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com. May you be blessed by the Word of God. So we're going to look to the Word of the Lord on this Mother's Day, and we have a word I hope that will encourage all mothers. I have an unusual text, Romans 1613. And while we're looking at that, I want to say thank you for your continued faithful giving to the Life Church. Uh, finishing strong is over, but offerings are still coming in. And even this week, I heard two amazing victory reports of blessings, financial blessings, jobs, raises. Promotions, all these things we give God the glory for. Amen. So thank you for giving of your tithe, your offering, your great missions offerings every week. And we appreciate it so much. Um, also, we're so glad for all of our guests. We have some former members and children here who have been raised here who have come back to honor their mothers and uh, so we're glad that you're here today. Romans 16, 13. Paul writes his closing comments to the believers at Rome. And he says, greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother, and mine. Paul is claiming Rufus' mother as his own godly spiritual mother. And that's my text today. And my subject today is honoring New Testament motherhood. Honoring New Testament motherhood. Our theme this year is building a New Testament church. And I want to talk to you for a few minutes about how a godly woman makes a house a godly home. How a godly woman makes a house a godly home. Turn to somebody and say, Happy Mother's Day. And you may be seated. I tried to get to every mother today. I'm sure I missed a few. But I tried to look you in the eye and tell you happy Mother's Day. And if I didn't, I apologize. But we honor you today. Paul had great respect and appreciation for women. Everybody say women. women. Paul honored them. And he was not a male chauvinist, as some have tried to make him out to be. In fact, he was far from it. He was much like our Lord, who celebrated and honored godly women. And our Lord even gave hope to downtrodden and broken women and lifted them and elevated them. We learn from the text that Paul admired and honored Women that were spiritual, that had hearts for God, that were worthy of godly honor. On numerous occasions in his writings, Paul noticed and celebrated these women who were in his oikos, or as we would say, his fellowship circle. For example, in Acts 18, Paul introduces us to his associates. Actually, Luke is writing, and 
this amazing husband and wife ministry team of Aquila and Priscilla. This is the real Priscilla in the Bible. Aquila and Priscilla. Paul meets them in Corinth, but he takes them with him to Ephesus. And there together they are preaching and making disciples. And then Paul leaves, but he takes them with him. And Luke continues to mention Aquila and Priscilla. He perpetuates them in the narrative, always naming them together. He doesn't drop Priscilla's name, but he situates her as an obvious critical member of the team and the story. And then back to the chapter of the text, but verse 6 Paul says, greet Mary who labored much for us. Greet Andronicus. Look at this. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my countrymen and my fellow prisoners who are of note among the apostles who also were in Christ before me. They predated Paul's conversion, but now Paul is acquainted with Andronicus and Junia And this is apparently a husband and a wife team. And he honors them as a team of apostles. Everybody all right? I love this. Those of you that have been around Pentecost a while, think about E.L. and Nona Freeman. A faithful 60-year ministry couple who changed Africa. It's E.L. Freeman who took a boat ride to Madagascar, couldn't speak the language, didn't know anybody, walked, got off the boat, walked into town and said, devil, you've had this nation long enough. The Pentecostals are coming. <laughs> That's what an apostle can do. And Sister Nona Freeman, also an apostle with her husband, Benny and Teresa de Merchant, when they went to Brazil, hardly nothing Today, I don't know how many Bible colleges, Brother Nix, I don't know, 50 Bible colleges and a couple hundred thousand constituents and hundreds of churches. I, I knew Benny DeMerchant when he was in Bible college, but only by observation. I was just a little boy. And I still remember his wife, Teresa, before they were married. She was my dad's keyboard player for the choir. And if you would have picked Benny DeMerchant out of a lineup to become the apostle of Brazil, you would have never picked him. But what a powerful force he and his wife became for God. And then many of you are more acquainted, but still probably most of you not, with G.A. and Vesta Mangan. But you don't have the effect these people do unless you have the anointing, the authority, the signs. Paul said the signs of an apostle. These were apostle couples. And Paul honors Andronicus and Junia, celebrates them. Look at 2 Timothy 1, 1 to 5. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, according to the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, a beloved son, in the gospel. Grace, mercy, peace from God the Father and Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 3, I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience 
as my forefathers did, as without ceasing. I remember you in my prayers day and night. I want to see you being mindful of your tears that I may be filled with joy. Apparently, Paul is remembering his departure and Timothy was weeping at the moment when Paul was departing. He says, when I call to your remembrance the genuine faith, Timothy, that is in you, which was first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded in you also. So Timothy's mother and grandmother were particularly singled out. Paul didn't just, you know, call Timothy his son in the gospel and take all the credit for whatever he was, but he honored the faith and the example and the model and the teaching and the training of Timothy's mother and grandmother to help develop this outstanding young man. Finally, in the text, Paul salutes a first century disciple by the name of Rufus. And Paul mentions him because he would be widely recognized by the readers in the, in the book of Rome, uh, book of Romans. He would be celebrated and known. And then Paul says, and greet his mother. Oh, by the way, I've adopted her as my spiritual mother. And that's what I want to sort of look at. What, what qualities would a woman in a church have to have for the great apostle Paul writer of half the New Testament, the man who ascended in the third heavens and heard unspeakable words that could not be uttered. The man who said, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. What would possess a man to single out and celebrate this woman as his own adopted spiritual mother in the church? And that's what I want to explore today. Of course, you Bible students know that Rufus had a brother and their father was Simon of Cyrene. The man from northern Africa who carried the cross of Jesus. And who apparently discipled his own wife, and then his sons. And now Simon has passed and Rufus' brother Alexander has passed. But Rufus remains faithful and his mother remains faithful. And now they're in the church at Rome and Paul has obvious admiration for her. Now knowing Paul, he didn't Single her out because she was a great cook. That's always nice. I had no idea I married such a good cook. He didn't single her out because she was on the praise team or, or because she always smiled at him. All of those things are good. But he appears to have adopted her as his own spiritual mother because she was a godly Woman who had a motherly spirit. The Bible talks about mothers in the church. 
And let me say right now to every woman that is in this house, maybe even some precious lady who has never been had the opportunity to give birth to a child, let me tell you that your work is far from done because we need mothers in the church. Can I have a better amen? We need women. Let me explain what a mother in the church is. A mother in the church is faithful. A mother in the church carries herself on a high level. A mother in the church, you never hear her gossiping. You never hear her speaking critically of other people. A mother in the church knows where the prayer room is. A mother in the church is a worshiper. A mother in the church is a model that you can admire, that you can pattern your life after. How many are thankful that there are still mothers in the church in the 21st century? Yes, they are. They're all around us today. She was a godly, spiritual, mature woman that the entire church honored. What if she wouldn't have had a good reputation and Paul called her his mother? And when the church at Rome read that, they said, what? No, they're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, we all know that. Tell us something else, Paul. You know, we know how you treat her and how you celebrate her. What a wonderful, godly example she is. Paul is not going to adopt a spiritual mother that's carnal, Makes everything all about her, bad attitude, lousy reputation, a gossiper, a talebearer. You get the picture? That was like a therapeutic moment right there. So this kind or this quality of a woman we celebrate today. This world needs this kind of a woman that Paul honored. And we have these kinds of women all around us at the Life Church today. We just buried one of these women in Vonda May, who was never blessed to have her own natural children, but she has many spiritual children here in this house this morning. And once again, we remember and we honor her. Now, we randomly grabbed some pictures off the internet of TLC mothers and women. And if your picture is shown, we didn't get your permission, so don't sue us. But you did put it on social media, or somebody did. And if we don't have your picture, please don't send me a text. We're sorry we missed you, but it was not intentional. And if you don't like your picture, change it. So here we go. When God was creating mothers, he was working overtime on the sixth day of creation. And an angel appeared and said, God... You're taking a lot of time on this one. God said, well, you, have you read the specs on this order? She has to be completely washable, but nothing plastic. She has to have 180 movable parts, all replaceable. She has to run on black coffee and leftovers. And she has to have a lap that disappears when she stands up. She has to have a kiss that can cure anything from a broken leg 
to a disappointed puppy love relationship. And look at this. The order on this mother calls for six pairs of hands. The angel shook his head slowly and said, six pairs of hands? No way. Well, it's not the hands that are causing me the problem, said God. It's the three pairs of eyes that mothers have to have. That's the problem. And and those are on the standard model, asked the angel. God said, oh, yeah. One pair sees through closed doors. When she asked, what are you kids doing in there? But she already knows. Another pair here in the back of her head that sees what nobody else wants her to see, but what she has to know. And of course, the pair of eyes here in the front that can look at a child when they make a mistake as if to say, I understand, I love you anyway, without so much as uttering a word. Now God said the angel, touching his sleeve gently, you're working hard on this and overtime on this mother project, so you know you're going to need to rest tomorrow on the seventh day. Well, I know what you mean, but I'm not about to rest right now because I'm so close to creating something that's almost like me. Look at this one. She can heal herself when she gets sick. She can feed a family of six on one pound of hamburger. She can get a seven-year-old to stand under the shower for three minutes. <laughs> the angels circled the model of a mother very slowly. God said, she's soft and gentle, but she's tough. You can't imagine what this mother can do or endure. Can she think? asked the angel. Think? Not only can she think, she can process and reason and compromise, and she can carry on a conversation in the kitchen with her children and be on the phone with her best friend all at the same time. Finally, the angel bent over and ran his finger across her cheek. Look at that. She sprung a leak. Maybe you tried to put too much into this model, and she popped. Oh, that's not a leak, said the Lord. That's a tear. A tear? What's a tear for? exclaimed the angel. A mother's tears are for joy, sadness, disappointment, love, pain, loneliness, and motherly pride. And now you know how God created a mother. The specifications of a godly Mother and woman are found in Proverbs 31. And I'm going to read it while you continue to enjoy the photos. Proverbs 31.10. Who can find a virtuous and capable wife? She's more precious than rubies. Her husband can trust her. And she will greatly enrich his life. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of his life. She finds wool and flax and busily spins it. She's like a merchant ship bringing her food from afar. She gets up before dawn to prepare breakfast for her household and plan the day's work for her servants. 
She goes to inspect a field and buys it. With her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She is energetic and strong and a hard worker. She makes sure her dealings are profitable. Her lamp burns late into the night. Her hands are busy spinning thread and her fingers twisting fiber. She extends a helping hand to the poor and opens her arms to the needy. Some of you are thinking about your mother. She has no fear of winter for her household, for everyone has warm clothes. She makes her own bedspreads and she dresses in fine linen and purple gowns. Her husband is well known at the city gates where he sits with the other leaders and she makes belted linen garments and sashes to sell to the merchants. She's clothed with strength and dignity and she laughs without fear of the future. When she speaks, her words are wise and she gives instructions with kindness. She carefully watches everything in her household and suffers nothing from laziness. Her children stand and bless her. Her husband praises her. There are many virtuous and capable women in the world, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty does not last, but a woman who fears the Lord will be greatly praised. Reward her with dinner today. Oh, I threw that in. (laughs) For all she has done, let her deeds publicly declare her praise. Let's clap our hands to the word of the Lord, description of a godly woman. I read a story about four pastors who were discussing the merits of various translations of the Bible. One said he liked the King James because it was simple and beautiful. Another liked the American Revised Version because it was closer to the original Hebrew and Greek. And still another liked the NLT because it was, had an up-to-date vocabulary. The fourth pastor was silent for a moment. He said, you know, I think I like my mother's translation best. They were surprised. The other three, they didn't know his mother understood biblical languages and was a scholar and had her own translation. He said, oh yeah, she translated the Bible all right. She translated it into her life. And her translation is the most authentic I have ever seen. Ladies and gentlemen, we have such a woman here today. As a pastor, and those of you who have listened to me preach for 34 years, I typically do not point out a lot about my own family because I've sat where you sit and it really gets boring after a while. So I've tried to guard those references through the years, and I think you'll agree that I've done a pretty good job. But today, I'm not doing that. Today, I'm celebrating the love of my life, my wife, the lovely, the beautiful, the gracious, the queen, Marlene. (laughs) 
She doesn't know anything about this, and I will get a good scolding, but I don't care. I'm the pastor. She doesn't like to be called the first lady of the life church, but she is. She's a virtuous, godly woman, and who better to say it than God and me? She earned a Ph.D. from the University of Common Sense. She's been a faithful woman. And when I say faithful, I don't just mean to her marriage vows. You know, we used to take that for granted. But I mean a godly, apostolic, wholesome, Christian wife, woman, pastor's wife. And anybody can be good for a day, but she's been good for over four decades. Sorry, dear. Not really. Did you know that when it comes to stressful jobs, according to one study, a pastor's wife is rated as one of the highest stressful jobs in the world? I didn't make that up. Think about it. She's married to the pastor. Her life is scrutinized. She suffers the most when her husband is criticized. But thankfully, that's never happened at the Life Church in 34 years. Her children are scrutinized and are held to a higher standard by some people. They're expected to be perfect little angels 24-7. She has the care of her own family and then the concern and the well-being of all of your families. 56% of pastor's wives say they have no real close friends in the church because of their unique position. 80% of pastor's wives feel left out or underappreciated by the congregation. 84% feel unqualified or discouraged in their role. 80% of all pastor's wives feel forced to serve an area that does not fit their gifts or their skills. 80% of pastor's wives feel their spouse is overworked. 80% of pastor's wives wish their husband would have chosen another profession. 50% of pastoral marriages in greater Christianity end in divorce. The majority of pastor's wives say the most destructive day in their marriage was the day they decided to enter the ministry. If I'd put a picture of my wife in the Bible next to Proverbs 31, her picture alone would say everything that chapter says to me and to our four children. You see, not every house is a home. It takes more than brick and mortar to make a home. It takes more than nice furniture and carpet and cabinets and groceries and Wi-Fi to make a home. Any contractor can build a house, but only a godly woman can make a home. Marlene the queen is the queen of her castle. She set the atmosphere of our home a long time ago. I like to tell you about the two strangers that entered our house. One, our former house. And after she was there a couple months, she called my wife and said, Who are you people? My wife said, What do you mean? 
She said, no, you lived in this house before I did, and I want to know who you are. My wife said, well, why are you asking me that? She said, well, I feel something in this house I've never felt before. And my wife said, well, what is it? She said, peace. I can't take any of the credit for that because the woman of the house sets the atmosphere and the tone. And if you don't believe me, just walk in one day. And you'll know if it's going really good or not so good. She sets the tone. And I like to tell the story of us ordering a refrigerator a couple years ago. The big burly delivery guys are walking in the living room. And one of them says, ma'am, where do you want this refrigerator? And he stopped right in the middle of the living room and said, whoa, there's something in this house. And my wife said, what are you talking about? He said, no, ma'am, there's something in this house. She said, oh, I know what you're talking about. That's the spirit of God. He said, ma'am, that's exactly what I feel in this house. (laughs) I can't take the credit for that. The queen that sets the tone with a positive attitude always welcomes me home with a smile and a kiss. She protects our home and the atmosphere of our home. I've never come home to a living room full of people I didn't know or didn't want in my house. We don't have a helter-skelter home where everything goes, but very orderly and predictable and sanctified. I had a preacher one time tell me that in 30 years he never looked forward to going home one time. But I can't wait to get there. It's like if I can just get that door closed behind me, I think I might be able to live one more day. (laughs) Family dinner every night. We never grabbed our food off the stove and ran to our bedrooms and opened up our phones. Conversation at the dinner table is priceless. We look at everyone in the eye. We make sure everyone is okay. We connect, we support, we live in unity. My wife deserves the credit for that. No negative talk about anyone, particularly people in our church. My children grew up with their heroes right here, and they are you. No drama. If you only knew Marlene like I do, not a drama queen. She is the no-drama queen. She does not try to live her life vicariously through her daughters and their relationships. She always has music in our home. And that's one thing for sure that reminds me of my mother. Because music was a big part of our home. And it was very diverse. Uh, we, I grew up listening to Southern Gospel, the Anita Kerr singers, you don't even know who they are, Tennessee Ernie Ford, Mahalia Jackson, and of course the old ABI albums. My dad was famous for putting those quartets together. We had a Christian radio station, KNOF. They had on Saturday night from 7 to 8 p.m. a record call-in time. She'd always say, oh, call in and get one of daddy's songs on there. And so we'd have to call in and request. And then when the ABI quartet would come on, my mom would just be grinning. She said, my kids are singing on the radio right now, baby. That's what I'm talking about. 
And we have all these genres and Caleb now has introduced country western and we're not sure how we think about that. Three wooden crosses. It's the only lyrics I know from country western. I sort of feel like Charles Mahaney who said, I've never been drunk enough to like country music. Hallelujah. (laughs) The queen runs a tight ship. She watches the budget. She's always telling me how much money she saved at the Hy-Vee gas station because she does the thing. (laughs) Whatever it is. Our children didn't get away with anything. I didn't get away with anything. When you're married to a prophetess who don't play, you can't play. Her prayer life, her prayers have blessed us all. Her prayers have protected me, advanced me, propelled me and our children forward in the kingdom of God. I know for a fact one night in the middle of the night, She woke up and fought against a demonic spirit that tried to attack our children. You can't put a price on that. Our two sons and son-in-law called to the ministry. Our two daughters and daughter-in-law committed to God and to ministry. Thank you, dear. Like the woman of Proverbs 31, whose husband is well known... Queen Marlene is perhaps the primary reason why I have been privileged to receive such honor beyond the walls of our church. I have to tell you a story. So one of our former general superintendents named Nathaniel A. Urshan was married to his wife, Jean. And Jean took her husband, when he was a sitting general superintendent, to her high school reunion. I think it was a 50-year reunion. And so she was introducing some of her former classmates and she introduced him to a a guy who was a farmer. And when they got in the car later, she said, you know, I used to date that farmer. She sort of smiled and Brother Urshan said, well, Gene, would you rather be married to the farmer or to the general superintendent? She said, oh, if I'd have married the farmer, he'd have been the general superintendent. And the woman of Proverbs 31 says that her children rise to call her blessed. And I just want Pastor Justin to rise just right right now. And I'm going to, I've asked my children for for a quote. And here's what he said. The Bible says in Proverbs 1, 8, my son... Do not forsake the law of your mother. How many were raised by a mother who had a law? He said, my mother, Marlene Elizabeth Gleason, taught me many laws in my childhood that stayed in my heart and benefit me to this day. Some of these laws include go to the altar and pray after every service. Number two, don't talk negatively about people in the church. Number three, when you are a daddy someday, The most important thing you can do for your kids is to be there. Number four, 
When it's time for supper, turn the phone off and be present with your family. Number five, be sure to give your wife a little shopping money every week. Those are good laws. Thank you, Justin. Marissa, Marissa, would you stand? Here's what she's standing and rising to call her mother blessed. Mom, it's been said the most important work that can be done happens within the four walls of a home. You have done the most important work by raising us four kids to love God, to love others, to be respectful, to eat the food that you've served, to clean your room, be thankful and get along with each other among thousands of other good things. You've shown me that raising children in your home while managing the house is an act of love and service and ministry to your children and your husband. And I strive to do the same for my family. Thank you for being a faithful mother. You are a wonderful gift to me. Thank you, Marissa. <laughs> Michaela, would you stand? Michaela says, from the early years, mom has shown me love through the occasional little gifts that were never expected and acts of love and service like making my favorite meal for dinner. I want to be willing to serve others in my family like that. She has modeled beauty that comes from within and demonstrated the love of Jesus in a way that I will strive for the rest of my life. Thank you, Michaela. And last but not least, Caleb, please stand. Here's what he said. Women humanize things. If it was left up to men to make a house, there would be nothing on the walls. And there would be steak and potatoes every night eaten with bare hands. No time for silverware. <laughs> we won't even talk about when he worked for High V. I'm thankful to have been raised by a mother who made our house a home. There was never a moment where I did not feel loved or safe in our house. She humanized our house and created a place where us kids could be raised with godly principles and virtues. I'm thankful for my mother. Happy Mother's Day, Mom. Thank you, Caleb. So I'm finished. I didn't scream and yell and holler and do my normal antics up here today. Because I don't have to. And I want to close this service today by asking the queen to join me. And I'm going to ask her to pray a special prayer. Let's all stand. And... Ladies, listen, if you're situated to where you can, if you have small children and you're not comfortable, that's fine. But I want to invite every woman here today above the age of 18 to just come and stand. If you can bring your children, please bring them. And I'm going to ask the queen to just pray a prayer over you today. Ladies, come on. Come on. Just press in. We honor godly womanhood today. Gentlemen, can you give a shout out for the lady in your life that's walking up here right now? 
I've been blessed with, please come, please move in, please come in close. If you bring your children, that's fine. Ladies, can I say something to all of you? Thank you for who you are. Thank you for your model, your example. You set the moral tone of our church. You decide more than these hairy-legged men behind you (laughs) or beside you. (laughs) You decide if we're going to be a godly church or not by how you talk, how you dress, how you present yourself, how you honor God with your life. You decide it. You have that power. You have power. You have great influence over all of us. So I want to say thank you for setting a tone of morality Godliness, Christ-likeness. And thank you for raising these children along with your husbands and your families to serve the Lord. So I want us, all of us, ladies, close your eyes. And gentlemen, would you lift your hands? The Bible tells you to lift up holy hands without anger and without doubt. I want Sister Gleason to pray over these ladies here today. Let's agree with her in prayer. Lord Jesus, we bow before you and we honor you. Thank you for life. Thank you for the perfect way you have made life for us to enjoy. Lord, we are the temple of the Holy Ghost, the temple that represents you. I pray over every mother, lady here today, Lord. Lord, if there needs to be house cleaning today, let there, let it be known to them what they need to clean out, Lord, that you may dwell in their heart, that your love will be there and shine so radiant. I pray, Lord, that you will bless every mother here today. Help them to have the strength, Lord, to do what your word has asked us to do, Lord, and you, you will give it to us, Lord, when we desire it. I pray for a desire to know you, to live for you, to be kind, to be patient, to be a loving mother, Lord. I pray over each home that the home will be a temple of you, that your spirit will want to dwell there, that it can be felt for whoever enters your home. You make things magnificent. You make things grand. You make things all lovely, Lord. I pray over their lives, their homes, their children, whoever they have influence with, Lord, that they will radiate you in a great and mighty way. Thank you for the tenderness of love. Thank you for the greatness of love. Thank you for the power of love that you give to a mother. There's nothing like a mother's love, Lord. And somehow that mother's love is connected to you. Yes. That we don't see 
fault. We don't see wrong, but we see our children with a great love. As your word says, you have a great love for us. I thank you for this day to honor all mothers, Lord. Blessed be your name, the name of Jesus. I speak it over each person here today, Lord. In your name, amen. Amen. Let's clap our hands to the Lord and give him glory. Praise God. That kiss is still exciting. Thank God. I thank the Lord for her. And I hope that you understand that what I'm saying about her, I feel for the women in this church. We honor you. We celebrate you. We need you. In this culture and in this world. Amen. So God bless you. Have a wonderful Mother's Day. Don't forget, uh, your ladies, the the gifts for you on the two uh, stations on either side. And God bless you. Enjoy your lunch today. Take care of her. Thank you for listening to this message. For more content, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at The Life Church KC. Reference the episode notes for more details.